Gennaro Rewind, hosted by Matt Namofsky. Hello, NRL fans. Welcome back to the NRL Rewind podcast. I'm your host, Matt Namofsky, and welcome back to the Sunday session where we're talking about all the games from round 11. Halfway through a lot of Supercoach seasons uh, in the NRL, a couple of weeks away from the buy round in Origin, so it's a real interesting part of the season. I've got Pat with me tonight. Pat, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm not too bad, Matty. Good to have you back on. Just you and me going one-on-one here, so let's get right into it, mate. I know we've got some talking points to go through. First game of the round. Up there at Queensland Country Bank Stadium in Townsville, we had the North Queensland Cowboys 36, defeating the Newcastle Knights 20. Pat, this game, you know, we can probably start with the the winners here, the Cowboys, but I think the more interesting talking point here is the losers here, the Newcastle Knights, on a bit of a slide. We talked about it our last couple of pods now, Newcastle, a lot of promise, a lot of quality in the park, but they're not getting the results here. What did you see from Newcastle, and where do we go from here? What's Adam O'Brien got to work with here? All right, so with Newcastle, it's definitely not looking up from the last couple of weeks. Like like you said, that we covered in previous episodes, it's uh, the win's going to come uh, quick and fast because pressure's mounting on Adam O'Brien right now. Like losing to the Cowboys, I believe they're below them on the ladder, if I'm not mistaken now. But thing, things are, yeah, things need to improve really quick because right now, like they're sitting on 12. And at the beginning of the season, we had those top eight lingering around there. Uh, what needs to change? They definitely need to um, fix up their set plays. Um, they need to be more disciplined, uh, more defensive-minded, in my opinion. They let in some pretty uh, easy tries there. Or, and some spectacular ones as well. Some, some of them you got to, like, oh, clap your hands and say, like, oh, that's a really good effort from the Cowboys. But they definitely need to pick up their defensive game. Um, they're still scoring, but it's tying up the um, the leaky defense, in my opinion. Yeah, it's you know it's pretty interesting to me. You know, to me, the the Canberra Raiders are getting a lot of flack, right? Like they're the underperforming team. You know, a lot of pe- people pencil them in for the top four, the top eight. And to me, Newcastle is just as bad. You know, this should be a team similar to the, to the Raiders pushing the top four, a lot of quality. You know, missing Ponga for a couple of games, missing Mitch Pierce, obviously, but. It's gone a bit under the radar, and it's only now the last week or two where Adam O'Brien starting to get a little bit of criticism. There was that report this week, don't know if it was real or not, that Adam, uh, Adam O'Brien has let Anthony Seabold take over the defensive okay. coaching. You know, a guy like Anthony Seabold and the defensive uh, performances the Broncos put in last year, of course you want to get that in your, in your team. But, you know, whether that was real or unreal, this it, like you said, there's a real defensive issue going on with the, the Newcastle Knights here, you know. Murray Tuolangi um, and Kyle Felt had fuel days out there, you know, and our team should not get stripped that that badly on both edges, and they did. And, you know, Scott Drinkwater and Jake Clifford and Valentine Holmes were just running rings around them. And, you know, I spoke about a little bit on the preview pod with Nom, you know. I don't know whether David Clement needs a trip to reserve grade. I don't know whether, you know, a guy like Mitch Barnett needs a rest. I don't know if Jaden Braley needs to have a, a backup on the bench to give him some spells. But right now they need to try something because this season, you know, like we said, we're 11 rounds in. They can get away from you pretty quickly here. So you got to do something to, to stem the tide. Let's go to the Cowboys side. Let's go to the winning side here. Todd Payton, a lot of pressure in those first couple of rounds, you know, a lot of talk that he wasn't right for the job. He was a one-hit wonder at the Warriors. 
He's, I think we're starting to see he's found his 17 and he's getting some real performances out of these guys. What are you seeing from the Cowboys? And is it really sustainable what they're doing here? Yeah, um, Todd Payton uh, did come in a lot of uh, hot water when he first came in from the Warriors, um, getting a lot of flack, rightly so. But the recent weeks, pulling these wins against um, obviously the Broncos and now the, uh, the Knights, uh, it's a big coup for them, a uh, big confidence booster. And I believe Todd Payton has found his right 17 uh, team, his squad right there. And seeing Val Holmes like dominating the um, the attacks, it makes the defense um, second guess a lot. And seeing like the likes of Tua Lange grabbing a Hattie as well, like it's what what confidence it could do for him for the next couple um, games as well. And it's just that it's just so pivotal for like new coaches to grab these wins like um, earlier on, if not like build on towards like the mid season and finish uh, as strong as you can towards the end of the season. So big uh, big shout out to um, Todd Payton for grabbing these um, fight wins as of late. Yeah, and, you know, you just look at the difference between the Paul Green Cowboys from the last couple of years and this Todd Payton, you know. There wasn't a Cowboys team in the last two years that could put on an attacking prowess like this one, you know. No shots at Paul Green, but, you know, there's that that age-old, you know, thing about the voice gets stale in a locker room. You know, as a Parramatta fan, Brian Smith, um, you know, great coach, but, you know, it got to a certain point where we just needed a new voice. And to me, the Cowboys, they won a premiership under... Uh, Paul Green, he'll always have a special place at that club. But after John Thurston retired, you needed a new voice. And Todd Payton's come in, you know, he's worked out, you know, these are my guys, you know. A guy like Dejan Arcee last year, you know, came on, you know, really well. And, you know, I thought he was pretty unlucky not to play this season, but he's been in the 21. But Todd Payton's like, he needs some time. You know, that there's nothing bad about that. But he's just found his, he's found the guys that he wants. He's blooded to Alungi, Conley, Lamelu. You know, he's got Drinky in there at six in the four pack, you know, Gilbert. You've got Mitch Dunn, who I think's come on leaps and bounds, Shane Wright. These, these are guys that, you know, weren't really playing last year and Todd Payton's kind of really settled it down. So I think you're looking at two clubs that are going in opposite directions here. You've got the Cowboys, not that much great talent, but the coaching and the playing group are elevating it. And you've got a lot of talent on the, on the night side, but they're just not performing up there. So I was always expecting a good game here. Um, and it kind of, you know, made my thoughts stronger of each side there. I think the Cowboys are on the rise and the Knights really need to find something to turn their season around here. All right, let's go to set game two. First game on Friday, it was the New Zealand Warriors hosting the West Tigers there at Central Coast Stadium. The Warriors getting the win here 30-26 to 26 in a pretty hotly contested game. This one, Pat, I don't think you start anywhere but Reese Walsh, uh, Roger Tuivasa-Shek, club legend, you know, Final season with the club has given the number one jersey to Reese Walsh and what he's doing with it in his first couple of weeks. You know, I'm not going to put it too much on you as a Brisbane fan, you know, letting a superstar like that go. But <laughs> just talk to me about, you know, watching this kid and, you know, what he's doing in his first couple of games. You know, he's a small body. He's 18. He, but didn't have a preseason. you got to think he was in developmental for, for the Broncos. He's just come on leaps and bounds here. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. Like, he definitely didn't have his proper preseason. He just got um, called up midway through. Warriors wanted him more than the Broncos. And I've I've seen this kid playing reserve grade. Like, this guy's on a different class from all the other kids he's playing around with. It feels like unfair to come to, uh, to even come up against him. Mm. So watching this game, what I reviewed was he literally ran the show. Like, he made one mistake with the cutout pass, which led to an interception, I believe. But 
that confidence just built him up even more. He's like, all right, let's, if it didn't work the first time, let's try it again, execute it better. And look at that. He got like, how many? I think it was like three tries with the cutout passes. Yep. And he gave one of them to, um, to a Vasa Shek as well. The positions changed. So that kid is like, he's going to be one to watch in the future. One of those kids. Same thing with um, Sam Walker as well. So look out for this guy. Yeah, it's so huge of Tuvasashek to say, you know, he could have been, you know, it's my last season. I'm the best fullback at this club. You know, I'm staying here. But, you know, that's never been Tuvasashek. You know, he's always been a great clubman. You know, Warriors have never been the best team. He always gives 110%. And this Warriors side, looking forward for the next couple of years now, you kind of look at some of their cornerstones that they've got in this side now. You know, you've you're locked up AFB uh, on good money. You know, you got Reese Walsh, you got Nikarima and CHT in your halves. You know, you got Adam Pompey who's re-signed. There's some real quality in this side now and they can really take some steps forward here. Nathan Brown, I had my doubts before the season, but, you know, he's pulling the right triggers here. You know, I, I'm impressed at the Warriors. Moving to the Tigers side here, really should have won this game. This was a game that, you know, they, they got the winning magic round. You know, they've been improved as of late. They really needed to take this one. And, you know, by no means it was a bad game. Uh, you know, you had a Luke Brooks who played really well. Luke Garner, you know, Sean Bloor on that reserve, on that interchange bench has really made him step up his game. And, you know, he went over for a couple of tries in this game. But to me, you know, this is a game where you can't, you know, Dane Laurie who's played really great this season. This is the game, you know, in a couple more weeks where he's got some more games under his belt, you kind of needed him to kind of, Get get his ball and his hands in the ball a little bit more and win over the game here. What do you see from the Tigers? You know they're improved, but you know they still got to get that bit of polish in their game. Yeah, I, I remember the last time I came on this podcast, I heavily criticised uh, Luke Brooks. He stepped his game up the last couple of weeks. He definitely showed up, uh, put in some great performances, like good kicks here and there. Uh, with Dane Laurie, I feel like right now is a good time, like where he has to take the game from the scrap of its neck. Um, it's important to get more caps under the like each game, each uh, game as it comes. So, with experience, he'll build on from it. He's still young at the end of the day. Um, but with the Tigers, uh, it's just all about like trying to execute more better, try to finish their set plays, defend as a unit, trust the man next to you. Um, just, just go all out, you know, just like try to be conservative at the, at the right times, be aggressive at the right times as well. And, you know, they, they really should have had this game right because um, as I was watching this game, the Warriors had two Sinbins and ironically, they scored, I think, two tries from their own players being out as well. And, mm. yeah, it was pretty much the game that got away from the Tigers. Imagine Maguire is doing a, an interesting thing where, you know, he's made a lot of selection uh, choices that we've all kind of scratched our heads at, but he's creating a lot of competition within the squad, which I really like, you know, Jake Little, Jake Simpkin. You've got Luke Brooks where you got Jock Madden sitting on the bench. You know, you had Stefano played a little bit at the start, but Joe O has won that spot back. You know, Sean Bloor's on the bench to kind of push Luke Garner. I like what he's doing with some of these selection choices to try and push quality in the squad. And like you said, defense, they can score points. That's never been the Tigers' problem, you know. They just need to shore up that defense. And, you know, we saw Joey Lelou a couple of weeks ago leak four tries against the Roosters, drop straight away. So he's going to try and keep doing that, but... There's some talent in this side, and you know, I picked them for the spoon. I think that was a bit of a that was a bit of a, 
a spicy call by me, but I still think, you know, defense is going to be this team's issue. And, you know, they keep tidying it up. Uh, they're going to get better. Um, but to me, this is a this was a, a cracking game. You know, two sides that can really throw the ball around. Both need to turn up their defense to try and get, you know, within that top eight reach. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, the, the, when you get games like this, you know, you've got to win them. The Warriors are able to eke out a win here. And the Tigers will, you know, those have to go back next week and try and get the job done. As simple as that. Yeah, and also I could add uh, just one more thing. Um, the Tigers nearly could have scored in the last play with um, Nofaluma, of all yeah. people, on his um, 150th appearance. Uh, well done to him. Um, he was, uh, I believe he wanted to pass it to um, to Dane Laurie, but I think Adam Dewey got in the way, so there was caused a little bit of a uh, mix up there. So imagine the scenes if had they um, scored there and converted that try and snatched a game from the Warriors. So. Yeah, and you know, when you're versing teams around you on the ladder, it's a, that, that game of inches, that game of seconds, you know, and you, know, you just got to execute it. And, you know, I, I, at least they didn't get beaten. You know, they've been so inconsistent where they get a win, they get smashed. They get a, they get a win, they get smashed. You know, they're, they're starting to tighten it up a little bit. So if you're a Tigers fan, there's things to improve on in this game. But, you know, you're, you're, you're heading in the right direction, similar to the Cowboys. You, your team's getting in that upward trajectory where some other ones are going down here. So you, you're able to get the win there. Let's go to the Battle of the Shire, the second game on Friday night from Netstrata Jubilee. It was the Cronulla Sharks 13 defeating the St. George Illawarra Dragons 12. Pat, this one here, you know, thought it was going to be close. No, Matt Dufty was pretty instrumental for the Dragons, but the Sharks able to eke it out with a Chad Townsend field goal in Golden Point. Two teams that are very, very similar in my opinion. No? A lot of versatility on the park, some key players out in key stretches here. Where do you kind of see the Sharks first, and then where do you see the Dragons moving forward for the rest of the season? Uh, well, firstly, with the Sharks, I mean, they have talent surrounding their team. Like, you got the young guys like Britton Nakora. you got, uh, who else? You have also, like, Toby Rudolph. Like, all these all these players, like, they're not household luxury royal names. Like, they're, they're like the more gritty type of players. Like, they can pull you across the line of that sort of thing as well. I mean, they got the young gun Teague Wilton on the bench when he was starting like weeks prior. He was actually killing it. I mean, uh, super coach wise with the numbers, he was doing pretty well. Yep. So, I mean, with the Sharks, it's it's all about like trying to get convincing wins and not like losing from like winning positions for them. I mean, they still have Sean Johnson to come back. I mean, he has some niggles here and there. Uh, Moylan and Townsend uh, deputizing the. Uh, the midfield and the halves. Uh, it's all about, yeah, that's pretty much it. This is all about like trying to finish them. Those are uh, these teams that they're expected to win off. And uh, moving on to the Dragons. Um, I thought they were going to get uh, more points conceded, uh, losing key players such as um, Dufty and uh, Tarek Sims and a couple other players through suspensions, I believe. I forgot who. Um, but they stuck around like throughout the whole game, and then unfortunately, uh, Townsend laid the um dagger on them with the uh field goal after uh golden point. Uh, I think it was golden point, yeah. am I correct? Yeah, 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 12. So, yeah, I think out of the two teams, Sharks are on the way up, but not by much. And Dragons, I think they need to wait for the key players to come back for to make any more like serious amount uh, towards the top eight. Yeah, full strength, you're probably thinking the Dragons get this pretty comfortably. You know, like you said, they were missing 
uh, a couple of key players, Tarek Sims, Matt Dufty, who was injured. You had Moose Maguire, Terrell Fumarino, who's out again. So you got a lot of quality on the park. You know, Ben Hunt has just come back from a broken leg. He's integrating himself into this side. So a lot of holes, but that game was there for the taking again. You've got to win the games when they're on the line. And, you know, Jack Bird, you know, threw that pass, trying to get that offload, and that will, that's what led to the error in the scrum 20 out. I think uh, Hook, uh, Anthony Griffin, will be really kicking themselves there. They're telling the boys, you know, that was one you should have got, you know. We're going to get down to the end of the season. Another team in that, you know, 8 to 13 kind of jostling for positions to try and make the eight games of this you've got to get. And the Sharks, you know, I thought this was Matt best, probably the best Matt Moylan game I've seen in years. He just, like you said, without Sean Johnson, he took command of that pack. He just really stood him up in attack, you know, soft with the ball, nice passing, took the line when he needed to take the line on. I thought this was a really, really big game for the Sharks. They were on a five-game slide, if I'm not mistaken. You know, they needed to right the ship, and they got it done. And again, you got to beat the sides around you. That's what they did here. And, you know, a shout-out to Will Kennedy. You know, I say it every time the Sharks have a good game. You know, that kid is making himself so much money. And if I'm the Sharks, you know, you've got, You've got Cam, um, Cam McInnes coming in next season, a, a star recruit. You can lock down to Will Kennedy and you can have a nice spine connection here. You know, you've got Matt Moylan who probably re-signed. Then you just need to find a seven, you know. You know, you're going to lose Chad Townsend. You didn't get Adam Reynolds. Find a nice number seven, you know. Maybe you re-sign Sean Johnson, but there's some things moving forward for this Shark side. I think this is definitely a 2022 side to look at, not really 2021. But again, you know, if they can just get a gritty performance, what's that eight that you think that we've said for multiple years now? They drag teams down to their level. That's the Sharks, you know. They they win gritty. Um, that Paul Gallon kind of led side, and that's exactly so what they do now. You know, no no team should win a game when they won thirteen points in twenty twenty one, but somehow they do it. So they they eke out a win when they need to eke out a win. You know, Josh Hannon gets his first victory, I think, actually uh, since taking over the side. Uh, I think this is more about the Dragons really will rue this one, similar to the Tigers, um, a game that were, they got away from them and they just got to bounce back. You know, Matt Dufty, I kind of thought it was going to be similar to a chance injury from the Raiders. It's a huge loss when you've got a star fullback and you can't really replace them with that. Cody Ramsey went out with a HIA, but Cody Ramsey's no Matt Dufty. So I don't know. What, what do you reckon from the number ones? You know, Will Kennedy firing and Matt Dufty on the sideline, you know, a good fullback will win you a game. Oh, which one? Oh, I'll give mine to Will Kennedy. Mm. He would be my guy, my go-to guy to um to take the on the line, like take the game by the scruff of the neck and try to win the game for me. He's such he's so lethal for the um the shark side. Like they they can see that he's part of like the pivotal attacking focal point for them. And it just shows tonight, like he was involved with, uh, I believe, I think it was, a, he scored himself. Uh, yeah, he, he scored over. himself off a um, Matt Moylan pass as well. And I would, yeah, that's that would be my go-to guy over uh, Duffy. And yeah. that was the key thing that was missing, like that number one battle, like Cody Ramsey. Yeah, he's, he's a good young kid, but for me, he's, he's more of a winger than more of a fullback. Maybe further down the line, but at this point forward, Will Kennedy for me. 100%. All right, let's go to the next game, the first Saturday game from Seabus Super Stadium at the Gold Coast. It was the Gold Coast Titans 30, defeating a spirited uh, Bulldogs outfit 20. Uh, but again, the Bulldogs can't get the win here. 
Pat, the Titans, you know, they're probably the most up and down team of this competition, can really lay a score on, can, you know, get smashed themselves. They went up there, they got the job done, you know, they beat us how they needed to beat. And, you know, Bulldogs put a fight up towards the end, but this is pretty convincing for the Titans here. Yeah, the Titans, yeah, they are, have been like an up and down team. You're right. And they're more of a yo-yo as a way. But, you know, 30, 30 points to 20, you got to start questions saying like, oh, how did we concede 20 points to last place Bulldogs, that sort of thing. Because if you're competing for the top eight, you got to show up that defense. Like I keep saying this um, since the first uh, podcast I debuted in, defense is important. Defense wins your championships. Uh, first and foremost but um there was a point in the game where they clawed back to uh i believe it was just by four points the bulldogs were losing yep. by 24 to 20 and that was massive alarm bells for the gold coast titans to even have that kind of scoreline at home as well to a last place team is it just rings a lot of red flags but aj brimson seals the winner uh towards the deep end oh the deep end of the second half i think it was um 30 and 20 so a bit of a sigh of relief for the Titans, but Bulldogs, um, they could have they could have maybe um, snatched a game, but it was, like you say, it was a spirit of um, uh, game for them, the Bulldogs. Yeah, the Titans are lucky to get the win here. You know, they'll be happy they take the two points, but there was a real stretch in this game where it was right at the end, you know, the Titans are controlling it. They've got a three try to one lead in the first half. Two minutes left in the first half, you know, they're attacking the Bulldogs try line. And uh, Tanner Boy kicks it uh, dead. So one minute to go, Bulldogs seven tackle set. They march down the field. Nick Kotrick scores in the corner with literally five seconds to go. Against a good side, they're going to lose that game. You know, they swing the momentum back. They get they get a uh, a good lead in the 36th minute, a poor fifth tackle option, and they can see the try right on halftime. They're lucky they're versing the Bulldogs this week against a good team. That can really change the momentum of a game. And the Titans just need to, like, they got to learn how to win consistently because, you know, this has been a side since their inception. They had a couple of good seasons, but then they had a, a stretch of bad bad teams there. You know, they've got a lot of star quality in their side now. You know, you've got your Tinos, your Fafitas, your Brimsons, your Fogarty's. But to me, that that second playmaker next to Fogarty, you know, whether it's Ash Taylor who's out with a hip injury, whether it's Tanner Boyd, you've got to know, you know, you've got to, put yourself in the best chance to win. And that 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 one play there, you know, just really highlights to me that they're still pretty far away. And, you know, everyone penciled them in for a top eight finish. To me, oh, they'll, they'll, they'll probably squeak into the eight, but man, you know, I thought it'd be a lot more convincing than what it is. So I think they just got to get, they got to learn how to win games. You know, the Bulldogs don't have talent. They're trying to win games. The Titans have talent, but they're trying to lose games. That, that's how I'm kind of seeing it right now, you know? When feed is not there, they don't have that guy just to say, go run it 15 times and try and break a couple of tackles and get us some tries. You know, they've actually got to put some plays together. And yeah, you know, that they get the win, which is exactly what you need to do. But yeah, if I'm a Titans fan, I'm worried. That 20 points against the Bulldogs side, who, you know, has averaged, I think, 14 points a game or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, not, not, not a fan of it. So, you know, Bulldog fans... Look, I don't know what to say to you. You've only won the one game out of 11 so far. You know, you've got a pretty tough stretch coming up soon. You know, you'll, you'll get better. You know, Brandon Wakeham played okay. Avrilo played okay. But yeah, it's more to me on the Titans side. You know, this isn't a contender. This is still, they're still at least a year away here. What's your thoughts about all that? 
Yeah, uh, I agree with um, all of your comments wholeheartedly. I mean, <sighs> Titans, like, they have way more um, to lose in this game than the Bulldogs. Like, Bulldogs are still in massive rebuilding mode. Um, they're still waiting on players like signs like from Attica and uh, Matt Burden to come in. And it'll be interesting to see how they go next season. Um, the Titans, they clearly are dif different a different side from um, David Feeder when he's not there as clear as um, day and night. Um, and it doesn't get any more easier with um, the Sharks uh, next week. Uh, another team that's towards living down the uh, bottom side of the table. And if they struggle to win against the Sharks, then it'll be clear like where they're kind of going. They'll probably just clinch the eighth or probably just out of the eighth, in my opinion, probably like ninth or 10 at this rate, in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. All right, let's get on to the second game. This one, I'm going to let you take the lead here. You're the proud Brisbane fan of our group. From the, from the SCG, the Roosters 16, Broncos 34. Who would have seen this coming? Pat, you were there live at the SCG. Tell me about how your boys got it done. Yeah, honestly, Matt, like coming into this game, I was so dismoralized uh, and all of that. I was like, I feel like we were going to get thrashed 48 to 6, knowing how we did last uh, week against Manly and Tommy Tubo as well. And with Teddy as well, like anything could happen. Like they could raise like two bats, even score like of a hundred, but walking into the stadium, I saw that they uh, disallowed the first try from the Broncos. And I was like, okay, this looks promising. They're actually attacking. They're not sitting back. They're not letting them get pushed around by the forward pack, the roosters. Um, as the game went on, I just noticed that our forward pack, Rose above theirs, Tavir Penga Jr. especially, leading that pack with Lodge following suit behind him and as well as Haas in his wing. They really controlled the game for us, which made it easy for the halves to express themselves. Like, look at Albert Kelly. Like, he hasn't played a game for how long? Like, I think at least 2,000-something days since he last um, played in the NRL and it was against the uh, Raiders, which ironically, Milford was the starting fullback <laughs> in that game back in 2014. And that game, Albert Kelly was on the bench. I'm sure you might have heard the, um, the halves of Daniel Mortimer or Maurice Blair. <laughs> so those those were major throwback names that I've not heard in years. Yeah. But um, yeah, Albert Kelly, wow, he he really um controlled that game. He put in some lovely kicks, grubbers, a 40-20 to come along with it as well. And I looked at Kevy's selections from his team, and it's like, all right, he actually picked a team that's like uh, good enough to compete against the Roosters that night. It was a good solid side, young, inexperienced side, but like as the game went on, like they trusted each other. They trust the man next to him. Like they trust, um, they trust one another like a close brother and all that. Like, and plus um, the Roosters are, where do we start with them? Uh, Radley was pretty much the talking point for them. Uh, I think it was a four, Reports and two Simbins, I believe, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he he really got targeted that night and it worked out well in our favor that he was rattled. And I think it's just a matter of um, being aggressive in the right moments for Radley. Like, I'm not saying you can't be aggressive. That's not what I'm saying here. Like, you can be aggressive, but just hitting it at the right time, the right moments. And also doing it within the, the laws and boundaries of the game. And we were talking about in the uh, group chat. 
sorry, sorry, what was that? Yeah, spot on, mate. You've got to do it within the laws of the game. Yeah. You know, that that's the, the biggest thing, you know. He was testing the ref with some of the things. And that last Osako, that second effort, you know, that 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 should have been the third symbiote in a send-off, really. Like, you know, continue your point, but perfect point there. You've got to do it within the game. These are these are the new rules. Just because the people are bitching and moaning about the rules and the good old days, they're not that the, the committee is not going to change the rules now. This is here to stay. And if Victor Radley doesn't want to change his game, he'll spend weeks on the sideline. It's as simple as that. Yeah, 100%, Matt. Like, you're right. Like, face the facts, the rules have been changed since – well, they've been changing since the offseason, but it just got implemented more since the last round in uh, Magic Round. And if you're not going to adapt to it, then – you're going to spend a lot more times on the sidelines than on the field, in my opinion. So it's something that Radley has to fix up his game. Like, I love his aggression. I love seeing him play, but he has to clean up that act from now on. Yeah, Victor the Inflictor. You know, it's a great nickname and, you know, he can put a shot on. But, yeah, you know, a lot of people, like, you know, I didn't watch the game live. And like you said, the group chat was blowing up and I'm looking on online and people are outraged saying the refs, blew the roosters out of this game and, you know, the memes of the ref in a Brisbane jersey. But to me, you know, every penalty was warranted, you know. Yeah. All four of Victor Adley's reports and the two Simbins, I agree. You know, the Albert Kelly one, he left his feet. Stay on your feet. You do not make contact with the head. That Pangai one, he went high. Didn't have to go high. He went high. You know, the Xavier Coates one to me is the, is the one, you know. The first contact was great contact. That, that's the shot you put on. The second effort with the shoulder into the head, that's, you know, at that stage, Trent Robertson really needed to pull him off the field because you can just tell every time he was getting in there and getting put on report, he was goading at the ref. He was trying to get him in his, you know, I don't know what he was trying to do by going off of the ref. It wasn't going to change, you know. And you look at some, some of the other, you know, ones in this game. The Matt Lodge, that was a that was a direct contact to the head. Sinbin, you know, Matt Lodge wasn't happy, but that happened. The Flegler one, which was a penalty, which is a slap across the face, that was the only one where I actually didn't think it was a penalty. I was just a slap, but, you know, contact to the head again. Yeah. The the players just need to understand, you know, a lot, of, a lot of teams have done a good job by, you know, trying to, you know, make the contact point lower on the tackles. But, yeah, to me, the Victor, the Victor show here was just, it's exactly what, because I, I, well, the one thing I've noticed the last two weeks that I'm absolutely hating is some of these commentators going on about the bad calls by the refs and, you know, the good old days of a good shot. You know, we don't need to hear it. We know what the rule is now. The The referee is not the match review committee. They do not need to judge the severity and the, the style of the tackle. Their rule is, is a contact to the head and is a forceful. That's the two things they need to check. And every single victor one there, was that it was forceful to the head. So I'll leave it there because that's like I said, I didn't watch it live, but that was the whole story about that game was the Roosters got blown out of it. Victor Radley, you know, should fight every charge. But to me, this Roosters game on a re- on a rewatch, I watched it twice because uh, I watched the full version, then I watched the mini version. Sam Walker lost this game for the Roosters. I think if Sam Walker does a l- couple more. You know, I, I look at this game and the first momentum swing, the Roosters get a couple of tries back and he throws that forward pass on the line to Matt, to Nat Butcher, I think it was, who went over and the quarterback for a forward pass about five metres out. A simple yeah. thing, he held the ball for what he took one more pump than he should have. If he lets that go first time, he crashes over, it's a try. That's number one. Yeah. Two, 
obviously goes for that floated that Harbour Bridge ball that we all see intercept from David Mead. You know, there was a couple of times in this game where Sam Walker, you know, he's a young kid, first game, uh, first time in the first grade, hasn't had a break yet. You can tell he's starting a little bit tired. Pengai ran the shit out of him. There were so many times where he just got bounced off. And, you know, the size difference between Pengai and Sam Walker, there's obviously no comparison. But if I'm the Roosters, you know, do you start thinking about, you know, giving Sam a, a week or, you know, putting someone on the bench where you can give Sam a spell because he's a small body, he's 18, and these other sides are now starting to work out, okay, put your biggest forward running at him all game, you know, zap the energy out of him. And that's exactly what happened. James Tedesco was the one carrying this Roosters attack. And every time Tedesco had the ball, that's when things happened. He was the one creating the assists. He was the one getting through and poking his hole through the line. But Sam Walker overplayed his hand in this game. That's the first time we've seen it. You know, he'll he'll do better of it, you know. he's He strikes me as one of those guys that, you know, will start filing things away in the memory, you know, learn from his mistakes. But this was the, the Victor Radley-Sam Walker. You know, if them two play, you know, Victor Radley plays more composed, and Sam Walker, you know, doesn't have those mistakes. I think the Roosters win because those were two very big turning points in this game. And they were both on the back of obviously playing 60 minutes of the game with at 12 men and Sam Walker in some really key pos- possessions uh, making the wrong choice there. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And those were really key pivotal moments in the game where oh, I think it's towards the um, end of the first half, he tried that cut up pass to Tupo, and then he gave it to David Mead, who scored that one uh, runaway try. At that point, they were like, I think they were winning. I think they were winning uh, 14 to 10, I yeah. believe. And then it, it ended up 14 to 6. Um, Broncos were in halftime. That was the massive turning point for us. And I mean, yeah, he, he's still a kid at the end of the day. But like you said, it's going to be in his memory break he's going to relive those moments he's going to try execute those plays more better in training you know it's it's all about game experience and these young guys like you know like we gotta like take care of them like minutes wise and all that like like you said give them a rest for one week or two like trying to like get back that energy before teams start fighting out again you know try to be unpredictable and you're right i feel like this is the week where um sam walker has been found out like i think he made two massive mistakes the first one was the cutout pass and the second one was towards the back end of the game where it was a fifth tackle uh option and he, he got tackled and i think he just tossed the ball up in the air and that led to um flagler running away for about 20 meters before um mm. passing it to Meads for a uh a hat-trick uh try towards the end of the game so yeah it's it's a really um it was a it was an off game for him massively, but we, we've seen strides of what he can do um, given on his day. And also I want to give a shout out to um, Joseph Suwali. He he had a decent game from what it was um, called upon like the last minute, I believe, because uh, I think it was uh, Josh Morris who got injured before the game. So he got called up and he actually did all right. He did what he's supposed to do. Apart from the time when um, he had a line break and he was waiting for his um, winger to support him but Tupo was uh, nowhere to be found. Mm. Yeah, and that could have been his first uh, try assist. And he could have nearly had a couple of tries himself. Like, he was a big, strong, uh, powerful 17-year-old kid running through our um, centres and wingers. And I could see good things coming from him as well. Yeah, to me, this was the first game in a couple of weeks where we're starting to really now see the injury toll this, this season has taken on the Roosters, you know. Luke Keery, 
when it went down, we thought that was going to be a huge injury. But again, it shows like he's one of the premier playmakers of this comp. You know, losing a Jake Friend, um, having to play like a Ben Marshkey with no Sam Verrills there. You know, no Lindsay Collins, who's one of the best young forwards in the game. Still no Boyd Cordner there. You lost BMOZ. Billy Smith, who was a touted international, he's out, hasn't played a game. Just a lot of injuries. So, you know, on, on paper, this is a huge upset. But the Broncos, you know, take out a couple of games where they got massacred, you know. I think back to that para game in Darwin. That was just, you know, that was like ridiculous humidity. Forwards were drained within five minutes. I, I throw that game away because to me that that game just, you know, they weren't ready for that game, you know. The, the Pappenhausen onslaught, four tries in 11 minutes. Let's throw that one out as well, you know. They were still tinkering with their side. Again, we're talking about like what Todd Payton did. You're trying to find your best 17 as a coach. And that's what Kevy's trying to do. Like you said, Albert Kelly had some great moments in this game. So I want to see this Tyson Gamble-Albert Kelly combination. I want to see it. Let's get a couple more games, you know. They're playing the buy round. they got the Dragons. they got Melbourne this week, which is a huge test. So, you know, we're going to really see how far they've come since the last Melbourne. And Melbourne's got some guys out, so this is a good challenge for them. So, I guess wrapping it up, you know, the Broncos get a huge win. You know, they didn't think they were going to get this win, but they get it. So, let's see what they do in the next couple of weeks. And the, and the Roosters just need to lick their wounds here, you know, and go back to the drawing board and try, try and come back next week. That's all they need to do here. Don't overthink it. You lost a game. Just keep in this role forward. You know, Trent Robinson, we know he great, how great of a coach he is. He'll get them up for next week. Don't worry about that. 100%. Let's get on to the last game from Saturday. It was from GIO Stadium in Canberra. The Canberra Raiders 10, Melbourne Storm 34. 34 straight points in this one. Raiders got out to a great start. Um, you thought, you know, what's happening? It was 10-0 uh, after 13 minutes. But then Nelson Sofa Solomona just puts his stamp on this game. And Nico Hines, the what it seems like is the fifth string fullback of this Melbourne side, just comes out and shows his class. This was a huge win for Melbourne here, Pat. You know, if this was the week, you know, that Canberra was on a try and get it, they've had Melbourne's number the last couple of years. Some huge outs for Melbourne, but didn't seem to matter in the end. Yeah, um, definitely. Like, uh, I think. The two players that were out before the game was uh, Jerome Hughes and Kenny Bromwich. And that's already a lot of experience between those two itself. And they had to put in a forward as a 5'8". I think it was Chris Lewis. Yep. And he had to call up uh, Cooper Johns as well. So they didn't have their first half, uh, first um, team halves as well with uh, Munster and uh, Jerome Hughes. And an away game to GIO Stadium is pretty tough to go with all the like temperatures, the cold, like the coldness as well, the amount of dew on the field to come back from 10 nil up down to score 34 points, like straight up in a row. It still uh, shows um, a subliminal message to the rest of the comp saying that even without our first teamers like Pappenhausen, uh, Husey and uh, Munster, uh, and Kenny Bromwich as well. Like, we could still score a lot more points. We could still um, do better than your other team as well. And we could still grind things out, whether it's pretty or not pretty, um, similar to, like, the Sharks. And it showed that night that the next players um, available, they stood up and they did their assignment, they did their task. And it shows that, you know, like, it has that kind of, like, winning culture that Craig Bentley and me uh, instilled onto our Melbourne Storm. 
Yeah, it's it's a huge win when you can get away with a victory playing a Chris Lewis and a Cooper Johns, no Harry Grant, no Ken Bromwich, you know, Pappenhausen still out with an extended concussion. If you're Canberra and you're Ricky Stewart, you know, I'm not saying this one got away from you because you're obviously up 10 0, but you're not gonna you're not gonna get a chance to write yourself into some form here like you've had in the last couple of weeks, you know. You just beat the Bulldogs. You got you got towered up by the Cowboys. You know, there's been some there's some real questions here to work out what's going on with this team. Is it a culture problem? Is it a stale voice in the locker room from Ricky? Is it, you know, George Williams is just homesick and his head's not in it? Is it Josh Hodgson and Jordan Rapana being out? I don't know what it is, but some of these performances are not Campbell performances from the last couple of years that like we've known this team to be, you know? If you're a Canberra fan, if you're a Canberra supporter, a Canberra, you know, employee, whatever it is, you just got to shake your head. This is GIO Stadium, the clap, the Viking clap, you know, a couple of prelim finals in the last couple of years and you're just getting towed up like this against, you know, like I said, this Melbourne team was literally Nico Hines and Brendan Smith. That was this, that was the Melbourne team this week and they still were able to beat them by 20 plus. Some real questions come out of Canberra now. Is this season getting away from them? You know, we start to, now you look at the ladder and you're starting to really now go, you know, where can teams really fit in here? You know, how many wins should you have by now? You start to think of those questions. They're 11th now. They've dropped now out of the eight. They're in negative four and against, um, you know, four wins, seven losses. They've conceded 261. You know, this is not a Canberra outfit, you know, and you look at, you know, premiership odds. They're blown out now. They're sixty. They're sixty-seven dollars. They're you know same odds as the Warriors, and this is a team that a lot of people had pegged for a grand final you know appearance. There was many many podcasts I listened to before the season started where it was Panthers Canberra Storm Canberra in the in the grand final. They're lucky to make the eight. You know they've got so much quality that they're probably going to be able to get some wins here and get get the ship back on track, but. We've all got to have a harsh, serious recalibration of our expectations for the Raiders because I think whatever we thought about them before the season started, that's not this team anymore. And, you know, they can ride themselves in a bit of form here, but this isn't a team that's going to walk into Amy Park and get a win. This isn't a team that's going to walk into Bluebet Stadium in Penrith and get a win. So to me, this this is this Canberra side is, you know, we're going to have to have a real think about them. And, you know, the next couple of weeks is... You're 11th now. You can't go. You can't lose many more because you're going to start getting it. You know, 12, 13 from the ladder, and you won't come back. So, very interesting. But from Melbourne, you know, we'll talk about the Panthers in a second. But I've said it since round two. I think I'm just waiting for the Panthers and the Melbourne Storm rematch in the grand final. I think we're we're heading towards that injuries or suspensions barring. These are the two best teams. I think if you look at the quality of the ladder, that's a clear two at the top. There's a very big difference between two and three. I'm just waiting because, you know, you got a guy like Nico Hines. My question is, full strength, how do you leave him out of this side? You can't play him on the bench. He's playing in that good of form. Does he play in a center? Does he play on a wing? I don't know where he plays, but you can't leave him out. Yeah, that's right. And that's why you've got, like, teams like the Broncos lurking for him because he is, like, talented. And he's too good to be on the bench, like you said, like... He's definitely a, a, um, a, a starter type of player. And just look at him. He, he, like you say, he just ran the show against the Raiders. And it just shows, like, the winning culture, like I said earlier. Like, no matter what um, kind of player or team you even put out on, you're guaranteed to get some sort of um, profit out of them. Like, look at look at what they've done with Raymond Smith. 
from the Bulldogs, he scored his seventh try for the Storm this season. He's been like the best buy for them so far. And like I said, this shows like that kind of like winning strong mentality that they have to carry them on. And that's why them and the Panthers have, there are two different golfer class from the rest of the comp at the moment. And I'm starting to believe like from what you said earlier on the season, like these two are going to be up for a rematch in the grand final. Yeah. hundred percent. Now, you know, Melbourne played a good game. You know, they set the they set the bar there. The Panthers came out today in the first game from Apex Oval in Dubbo and put 56 on the Rabbits. 56 to 12 are finished. This was what you can do, I can do better. The Rabbits were fourth heading into this. And, you know, another team that a lot of people said, you know, a lot of grand final predictions for the Rabbits. The Panthers show that there's no, there's no, not even a competition. I don't know what, I don't know what to say about this team. This team is just operating on a level that we have not seen in years. 11 straight victories now. Something I think it's up to about 24 straight in the regular season now. We're talking about one of the best teams of the NRL era. That That's what we're dealing with right now. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, I'm not trusting them until they win a grand final. You can't doubt this quality. They've got the way that they're playing right now is just, you know, they're losing. They've done a couple of games without Dylan Edwards, a couple of games without Apicorosau. You know, they've got a halfback playing in the centers. You know, a couple of props left before the season. You know, they're, they're blooded in some new guys here. This is an outstanding team. And, Pat, let's start here. You know, easy to keep going on about how great the Panthers are. Let's go from the Rabbits here. This is a huge, huge premiership dent. They already conceded 50 once this season. Now they've conceded 56. Are they are they even a chance for the grand final with the way they're playing? Or is this is there something wrong with this team that they need to really address very quickly? I believe, I don't know if they're like, for me, I don't think they're the grand final team. There's something awfully different about them this season, like getting smacked 50 points apiece and against the two reigning um, grand finalists as well. It's just, it's just a red flag to me that if this is how you're going to operate versus other teams in the top eight, especially the top two, then it just um, reiterates my point earlier that those two in the top, they're like a different golf class uh, class from the rest of us. And just looking at that game, like, oh, Cleary just ran the show, as always, as he should. Like, he's a half. And, like, he just ran the show against the South. Like, it was um day and night type of uh, performance from the Panthers as compared to the Rabbitohs. So there's a lot of questions to be asked with um, Wayne Bennett and his side. Um and they have to get a win um, starting next week. Uh, I believe they have the... They have my team, the uh, Parramatta Eels. Yeah, Parramatta Eels. And that's that's not an easy game for them as well. And they're currently on third place at the moment. So another top five team ahead of them. And it's it's games like this that are like, when you look back towards the season, saying like, oh, we shouldn't have lost this game by that much. Losing to Panthers and the Storm is... Um, you know, it's like a, I guess, like it's it's nothing to be ashamed about, but losing to the way in that kind of fashion mm-hmm. with no type of fight, tenacity, um, you know, some tactical nous. And you would you would thought you would expect to see that from the South. Like you got a coach, like a like one of the greatest coaches like there, Wayne Bennett. And I don't know, he seems to fall against the likes of Craig Bellamy nowadays. And now even um, uh, Ivan Cleary. And 
I don't know. There's there's a lot more questions than answers at the moment from what I'm looking. Yeah, and the really the really troubling thing if I'm a South fan, you know, they've conceded 15 56 to the two teams above them, the Melbourne Storm and the Pound of Panthers. Really attacked them in two different ways. You know, the, the Melbourne Storm just went straight to the edge and obviously Fox got six tries. This game predominantly was through the middle. They really did their work through the middle in this game. And, you know, obviously there was some shifts out wide and Burton got a hat-trick there, but some real worrying signs when your forwards can't contain, you know, Tom Burgess and Toll got over, just overworked today. And this Panthers full pack will do that to a lot of packs. But to me, you know, they went through the middle. They found out some of the guys in the middle. Then they went out wide and Mansource got abused and, you know, got, I think he leaked four or five tries this game. To me, yeah. you know, <sighs> Latrell came back, integrating him back in. Source came back today. You know, Ken Murray's still not there. I, I, I'm not sure. Damien Cook did not have one run today. And obviously the forward pack got beaten. So it's hard for a hooker to run out of dummy half when the fullback gets beat. But I don't know. To me, they didn't fire many shots. Benji got left on the bench today. They asked Bennett after the game and, you know, he talked about how they weren't defending and Benji's not the greatest defender. Don't know if you really want to, you know, I don't know if that's trying to make a, a statement to Benji to say work on your defense, or I don't know whether that's just, honestly, to me, like you said, Wayne Bennett's probably the greatest coach of all time. There's probably no disputing it, but like you said, there's just some coaches in the some type of style of teams that he just does not go well against. Mm. And I don't know, like I said, there, there's a huge gulf between teams two and three in this competition. Everyone thought the Rabbits at full strength. And they were, like I said, without Ken Murray today, they were full strength. And yeah. they got 56 put on them. So the Panthers roll. You know, they're going to go into origin. They're not going to lose that many players that you think about. You know, Luai and Cleary will probably get selected. Isaiah will get selected with Capewell. That's really it. You know, Toto might get uh, brought in, but they're only going to lose four players. You know, Burton will shift into a half. You've got Tyra May who can come in and play a bit of six. They're going to go well during Origin. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, mm-hmm. to me, this is a team that's just going to keep rolling. I don't know. I looked at the at the draw. I don't know where the next loss is going to come, honestly. Um, this is a team that, to me, we talk about how many wins can they go in a row here. I, I don't know who's beating them, you know. Let's quickly go through it, I guess, to kind of put a bow in this game. But, you know, they got the Bulldogs next week. they got the Tigers the week after, the Sharks. they got the Roosters in round 15, but... Who knows what that Rooster side's going to look like? And then they got Para, you know, at Penrith, who, you know, they obviously got that. They beat them last year, but then in the rematch at Penrith, absolutely smashed them. Round 17 got a bye. After the bye, Warriors, Broncos, and then the rematch, round 20 against Melbourne at Amy Park. So realistically, they can go another nine straight here until they get to Amy Park, and then, you know, we could have a potential grand final preview. This team is doing something historical here, and we need to really start thinking about it in that way. You know, a lot of people don't like the Panthers. They're, they're ag- arrogant, and, you know, they put it on teams, and, they you know, they're cocky and all this stuff. But if we get to 30 straight victories in the regular season, and they roll in, a you know, Amy Park, and they put it on, and let's say they get – I don't know if they're going to get there, but let's say they get to the grand, to the finals undefeated. You know, we're, we're not going to see this again. So – Let's just keep watching game by game because this is pretty special what we're watching here. Yeah, exactly. Just sit down, buckle up, and just enjoy the ride. Like, it's crazy to put these, these kind of stats and numbers. Like, look at this. Like, the last time they lost was in the grand final itself against Melbourne. Mm. And then starting a new season anew. Like, 
They've been blowing teams apart. Like, all right, I watched specifically against the Broncos. Like, they could have lost that. That could have been a potential trap game, but they still did the job. They won ugly. A win's a win. And like I said earlier, like these sort of teams, they have their own different styles. Like they have their own different um play styles, like kind of possessions. And with Panthers, like there's a matter of like strike force type of players all around the pitch. Like look at it today. Like Kikau was eating Sua hmm. easily. Like every time he was attacking him. I think you said in the group chat as well, it was like eating him up. Yeah. Like no worries. And then and then you got Mumrovsky to come back as well. Like that's like another like added strike partner as well for um, I believe Charlie Staines on that side. Yeah. And then you got Burden, who's still there, he's acting half but playing as a center. He's still lethal, he's still scoring uh tries, assists, and you name it. And and you got also like the origin um coming up. You got a couple of players moving out from New South Wales, Yo, Cleary, uh, Luai. Probably just one for Queensland with Capewell as well. And you still got that core um group, the rest of them there. Like it's just it's just really good depth between um Storm and um, Panthers. Yeah, hundred percent. And like I said, that round twenty is going to be a huge, huge game. Could be a grand final preview, but until then, like you said, it's must see entertainment. Now, I think if you only got to watch one or two games in a round, you obviously watch your team, and you honestly watch the Panthers because the way they're playing their footy right now, there's not many teams that are better, obviously. So. Leave that one there. We'll go to the last game of the round. This was pretty hard for me to watch, but it was an entertaining game. From Bankwest Stadium at Parramatta, it was Parramatta 6, Manly 28. The Sea Eagles, Tommy Turbo, again, doing the damn thing. Parramatta, you know, we have this game every five rounds where, you know, a four-pack really, like, muscles up and makes a statement. Manly did that. You know, I thought Paseca, I thought Tapao, Kepi, who was playing on an edge, um, really laid a platform here. And Josh Schuster was class. Turbo at the back. Garrick finishing it off to me. This was a knockout. Um, yeah. What, what 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 did you get from this game? Because for me as a para fan, this was pretty one way traffic. Yeah, watching it from start to finish, I I was talking about Roosters made by. He said this was potentially a trap game for the Eels, and I was like, nah, no way. I feel like the Eels got this. But watching this with my own eyes, I was like, wow, that kid is something else, Schuster. I was like. Four and out, no worries. Just slot him in, in there in the uh, five eight position, and he ran the show for me. Um, majority of the first half, and a bit on the second half, he was making defenders like double team up, uh, double team him, and leaving to uh, Trebojevic and Garrick out wide, and mm. Parker as well. Like the, those guys out wide, they really killed um, your side on um, of the defense for the Eels with Wong and Blake and uh, Ferguson. Yeah. yeah, those two got um ambushed at that uh tonight as well. Like I don't know, it was um it was a massive trap game for them. Their forwards um overpowered your forwards, um, especially Sean Kepi. He he was he was a part-time player, like um coming off the bench um and making an impact, but now, now he gets to um start for the last I think couple of rounds, I believe, or I think in the last week. Regardless, he's making an impact as well, and it's just um they were just really turned up for tonight and um uh with um full condolences to um to Fulton as well for uh passing away. So it was I reckon really, looking down he'll be really proud of his team um winning against um the Eels. 
Yeah, it was an onslaught, you know, Bob Fulton, obviously one of the immortals passing away today. And, you know, when a club legend like that, you know, probably the, the most recognisable manly player of all time and administrator, when he passes away, there's obviously an energy. It can go one or two ways, you know. It can be really emotional and you just have a letdown performance and you can't really get up for it. Um, or, you know, it can galvanise a team and can really put a performance on. And it certainly did that. They really went out there and did him proud. As a para fan, yeah, a couple of points. Um the, the Wunga-Blake-Fergo combination on the edge has given me chills once again. It gave me nightmares last year. Near Corey, uh, back next week. Really hope he slots straight back into that center spot because he just helps Fergo reassure that edge. Jacob Arthur was a nice story last week, uh, try on debut. Um, but you really see the lack of a second playmaker next to Mitch Moses. Uh, Dylan Brown come back, come back soon enough. He's back round 13 in the bye round against Newcastle. Uh, but yeah, that, that forward pack, um, you know, we have a very good forward pack parameter with RCG, Paulo, uh, Madison, uh, Papali'i and Brown, you know, one of the better ones in the comp. But every now and again, when a forward pack really wants to aim up and take the parameter uh, pack on, there's there's just something that goes off with this para team. And it shouldn't, you know, we've got some mongrels in there. We've got RCG, Nathan Brown, Papali'i. But um, yeah, yeah. Um, Dragons did earlier this year, you know, Dragons really jumped us and didn't let us get on the front foot. Manly did the same thing today. And there were some key defensive uh, loose ends there. You know, we had a couple of sim bins, you know, we, we put someone in the, in the bin, uh, Manly had 12 men and we didn't score. It's really surprising. I'm really, now that the new rules are in place, I, I wonder if teams are going to really start in their training, start attacking 12 against 13. Because you can just tell some of these teams just, I don't know what it is. They just don't recognize they have the extra man on the field. Some one-up hit-ups and, you know, playing through the middle. If you're versing 12, you've got the overlap. Use it, you know. Reed Marnie, great start to the season. But, you know, in this game, that kick out on the full was very crucial. You know, it, it wasn't on. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I come on every weekend, you know, when Parramatta win, I'm, you know, skeptical and I say, I say throw it out. When they lose, which has only been twice this year, I come on and I really pile on and I sound, you know, really down. But, you know, it's the same thing the last couple of years. This, this Brad Arthur coach side is very good in in, in uh, patches. You know, Mitch Moses looks like one of the better halfbacks in the comp in patches. But then we have that odd game. And this is what the Panthers and the Melbourne Storm don't do. They don't have games like this where they just kind of let it all fall away because all of the bad tendencies that Parramatta have show up in one game. And this is the second time this season that's happened. So, look, you know, you can't win them all. we got the Rabbits next week. We'll go in there and, you know, we'll put a good effort in. But every other team in the comp needs to start looking at the game that the Dragons and Manly have now played against Parramatta. And it's not hard to really recognise where you need to attack in this Parramatta side. You give Gutherson no room to breathe. You rush up on Mitch on last tackle. And you really take it to a couple of the key forward pack leaders in this Parramatta side. You know, get on a Nathan Brown skin. You know, he started doing some dumb stuff. RCG and Paulo, don't let him offload. You know, simple things like that. And as a Parramatta fan, you know it's coming. And yeah, when it happens, it happens. But, you know, let's finish up on Tom Travojevic. Since he's come back, Pat, you know, it's hard to say between him and Cleary who the best player in the comp is, but goddamn, he's he's special. When he can stay on the field, there's not many better. Oh, yeah, definitely. And 
it's such a shame that he has these um, hammy injuries and these little lingering injuries as well to come with it because he's such a class player. I mean, look at the stats for tonight. Like, he had one try, uh, two tries. Two line breaks, five line break assist, and over 200 running meters and six tackle busts. And this is a guy who hasn't like started from the beginning of the season. Like, imagine putting these numbers up from the get go, like right in the beginning. Yeah. Then he would have been talked about more in Dalian and stuff like that. And Cleary, Cleary's a different um, player of a class as well. Like, they're both special, and we're lucky, like, we're there to see him um, during not even their primes yet. Like, they're still reaching it. And like it's it's ridiculous, and and I mean that in a good way as well. Like to have these sort of talents around the league as well, and like, man, how like how fast paced um this league has become as well. Like I reckon it suits them more better, and we get to see like spectacular games and um moments like kind of like this tonight as well. And yeah, it's just we're just getting along the ride with them, and just like we're just, we're just the passengers, and they're like the drivers. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of people shoot on the new rules and say, you know, it's too much free-flowing and they, you want points and there's no defensive efforts. There's still great defensive efforts. Manly leaked one try today, and they really put it on Parramatta. You know, Parramatta, one of the better attacking sides of the comp, and everyone's braving with the Parramatta attack. Manly leaked one try today. So, you know, clearly there's sides, you know, even with these compressed rules and more open footy and six agains, you can still put in great defensive efforts. So there's no worry about that, you know. We're we're watching some class players right now, like you said. You know, you got Cleary, you got Teddy, you got Turbo, you know, some of the young fours we have in the game with Payne Haas. You know, that there's quality. So, well, like you said, we're lucky. And every round we come on here, we preview the games on TLT, and you know, we we think about what's going to happen, and then we come out and on the review, we we marvel at the star players that we already know are going to play great games, but then they go exceed above and beyond what we want to do. So. Like you said, we're lucky and, you know, another great, great round of footy here, Pat. And um, thanks for coming on, mate, to talk about it. We'll have you on again soon. You know, again, I've got a couple of side things I'm working on right now. I'd love to get you on for some of those and um, get your takes because, you know, I, this this podcast was made to talk about footy with mates. And, you know, you've come on, Ryan, Nom, Chris, and, you know, we're not experts. We don't know all the X's and O's and all the stuff, but, we watch all the games and we have, we have opinions. So love having you on mate. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, no worries, man. Like as always, like I'm always free um, to go on a pod with you and with you guys as well. So whenever you're ready for the next episode, just hit me up. Easy brother. And thanks everyone for listening guys. Have a great day and hear from you soon. Cheers.